Good evening, everybody. Um, welcome to meeting number four of Frosham Town Council meeting. Um, before I start the meeting, I'd just like to thank um, the Christmas Festival Working Group for a fantastic day and evening on Saturday. It was it was brilliant and it was great to see um, most, if not all, of Frodgham come out to support it. Um, also for those councillors that were able to support um, on the, the day and in the planning as well. So thank you to those councillors who gave up their time to do that. So, um, agenda item number one, uh, apologies for absence. Joe, do we have any this evening? I have not received any official apologies. However, uh, I am aware that councillor Lord Pennington isn't able to attend the meeting. Okay, thanks, Joe. Any declaration, sorry, agenda item number two, any declarations of interest or items on the agenda this evening? I'll do it when the grants come up, I'll declare it then. Is that also declare it now? No, please. Uh, yeah, on uh, the Red Lion grants, uh, declare an interest in that, please. Oh, yeah, I've got a declaration of interest from some of the applicants for grants. Yes, me too. Can you declare them, please? Uh, yeah. Well, me and Jason are both members of Weaver Sailing Club, and Lizzie Oliver is my friend, and I, I didn't participate in the discussion on either of those two items. And um, oh, Cheshire West Council is a Cheshire West Council. You don't need to declare an interest there. <laughs> uh, I'll declare interest in the grants and the NCT. My wife's committee member for the NCT, but I didn't participate in that discussion either. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Uh, agenda item number three. This is the approval of the minutes. Um, so these minutes, so the meeting was held on the 25th of September. Joe has circulated the minutes. Is everybody happy? Can we decide the minutes as a true reflection of that meeting? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Okay, I'll do that, Joe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agenda item number four. This is standing orders. So uh, we are going to suspend standing orders for items 5, 6, 7 and 8 and this is to enable representatives from Cheshire Police, Cheshire West and Chester Council and Cheshire Fire and Rescue and any members of the public to take part. Uh, so with that, uh, agenda item number five is the policing report. So um, PCSO Neil Fargal has uh, written a report which has been circulated with the agenda and this documentation. Um, so, welcome Neil. Thank you. And do we have any questions for Neil? Uh, sorry, and Steve? Yeah, and Steve as well. Yeah. Well done. Okay, <laughs> I shall, we shall ask you to introduce yourselves um, for the purposes of the recording as well. So. Okay, yeah. so I'm Neil Flanagan, I'm the Local Police Community Support Officer for Frodsham. And I am PC Steve Harrison, I am the, as of last week, 20th, uh, the PC for Frodsham. So, got two of us. Brilliant, welcome, <laughs> welcome. So, thank you very much for the report, Neil. Um, very comprehensive, as usual. <laughs> Do we have any questions for Neil this evening from the report that is circulated? Sure. Yeah. Yes, certainly. Okay. Uh, just a few things, Neil, that, that's been approaching and asked about yeah. was the, the report, which is yeah, very good, um, Very good. The report, what, what, why haven't we got the, the, I can see the report where it says what's happened when it's happened. Um, have we got follow-up? Have we got information that can be put on the sheet? No, we haven't. I've sought guidance. Okay. I was very 
uncomfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. I've sought guidance from my superiors and we've had to think an email response yes. from Inspector Beals. And mm -hmm. I'm absolutely related it to Who has yes. clarified that no, the report that you get off me is a comprehensive report, it's an excellent report and that is all that you'll be getting. <laughs> If you do want any information on any individual, you can make a free. No, 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 no. It's not, it's that, that's not the question I'm asking. Okay. The, the, I'm not asking for individual. Yeah. Saying who is Joe yeah. Bloggs lives at such and that's not what I'm asking. Yeah. What I'm asking is what is, what is the follow up on these incidents? Yeah. Let's say. If I if I if I gave that if I did that information as well, this would take me longer than two I mean, hours, some which of them, it takes me yes, already. I can understand <laughs> that. Some of them which are stuff that happens every day, I can see that, which yeah. you're not going to have yeah. to do, but there is some which are from recent reports that I've seen. It's, it's the follow-up part that I that yeah. people are asking me, is what are you, what's well, happening? I'll tell you what, the people who are asking... Just let me finish, please. Okay. What, I'm, what we're asking, or what my... Uh, uh, constituents are asking is we can see all the information that you're giving, yeah, great as you say, but what what the information is telling us, it's telling us what's happened, but what are you doing to follow up on these? Yeah, okay. through, through the chair, um, yeah. what information are you actually wanting? What I mean, do you, is, do you really want um, theft of AirPods? We investigated this, someone was arrested, X. Is that what you're looking for, or? A simple explanation, yes, that's right, exactly right. Right, yeah. Mr. Beers has already said. Mr. Beals, yes, yeah. we, we can't. And also, if, yeah. if any of your constituents mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. come to you, yep. please give them my, my email address and direct them to me directly, and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll speak to them directly rather than having to go through yourself. That's great. Okay. And Joe has actually just pulled up um, the information that we got back from um, Matt Beale. Yeah. Joe, do you want that. to read that? So you've seen that? I've seen that, yeah. I just wanted to ask you that. Well, the, that, that my, my position is the same as Mr. Beale's. Okay. So at the bottom of that um, Can you email... admit that I've suggested that any constituents are, are, are given my contact details, please? Thank you, Neil. No problem. Do you want me to read that bit out? Yeah, please. Um, so the final paragraph from uh, Inspector Beale was, I note uh, the point that Council of Ward is inquiring okay. about further information Neil's reports are very comprehensive. Some aspects we cannot divulge further, mm -hmm. but most importantly, the time taken to complete this will take Neil away from his key functions. So unfortunately, we will not be adding any further information. Okay. I don't know if this is something you can deal with, because, but it's the parking on the approach to the station Morrison's side <laughs> which is um, yeah I know it's um, I know it's network rail yeah so you can't actually do the parking on the double yellow but on a couple of days recently it was like that actually late afternoon today though it was blocked to the extent oh there were cars <coughs> blocked in Church Street waiting to turn left because cars were coming down from Morrison's yeah. and if they cause an obstruction like that it's still a private it's a private road so we have no jurisdiction oh, what we can do what I can do is put advisory notices <coughs> on the vehicles if I see that they're parked in a manner that causes an obstruction we can advise that's the only thing we can do we can't enforce on that road the WL lines really are a waste 
I, I, I oh, I know that. I know yeah, that, and I know it's yeah. not um, public highway, but yeah. it's just the fact. Where, yeah. It was a affecting yeah. traffic yeah. in the church. We actually walked yeah. that route to come yeah. here, and we we had that discussion, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. Um, I had someone from the library contact me today who said they'd had some people who had mentioned concerns over that. So we will look at it and stick advisories where where possible. But I think that's that's as best as we're gonna we're gonna get to. We really could do with someone from Network Rail having a look at, at that and seeing if they could put maybe some barriers in place to, to prevent people from parking there, I don't know. Okay. But we can get in touch. Can you get in touch? Yeah. 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 That's the question, yeah. certainly. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Richard? Just to follow on from that point with parking, one of the things that I find a little bit more serious is the amount of people that park on double yellow lines when you're going from the traffic lights up um, Main Street. So you're going from the Bears Ball up High Street towards uh, where um, towards the turning into Ship Street. Ship Street, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it seems to be becoming more and more popular of a place. I know people stop there to get their takeaways, but I've noticed now that there's more and more traffic stopping for longer periods of time. Even some of the shop owners are parking there for three, four hours. And you can imagine when you've got traffic coming up the hill from the traffic lights, first of all people are swerving to get out of the way, you've got people trying to turn right going into Morrison's car park and that creates a major issue from that. I'm trying to turn out Ship Street, yeah, the bigger difficult as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, through the chair, one thing we can do for that is actually get in touch with SeaWAC uh, and their parking services. I have seen them attend, uh, attendant, uh, walking round Frodham this a few times, I've been up here this last week. Um, if there's a certain times of day it's happening, obviously when the shops are open, I can email them and say, can you come and do a more sort of time, time specific patrol? And the same thing, if there's any obstructions, we can look at obstructions, but parking is down to the council, unfortunately. Right, right. Just to follow on from what you said, for me, for me, it's not so much the parking of the day, it's the parking at night. At night. When, when That's fair enough, out. yeah. And I understand it's a... It's a Cheshire West issue, um, but, but if it's say, evening, that's fine. from, from yeah. a point of view of it, of it uh, becoming dangerous. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, it's a separate topic to parking. Have we finished on parking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed a lot of shoplifting on the theft. I know now that the petrol station's gone to free payment mm -hmm. yeah. because of all the drive-offs and, and the, and the theory. I'm just really, I had to, well, I didn't assist in the catching of somebody, but I was there, I was in a shop and somebody was stealing and shopkeeper went out and I was just making sure I didn't get angry. What advice should we be giving to the shopkeepers now about if someone comes in and steals, do we just let them go and then fail you guys or? It, um, we've just had that, I've just yeah. had that conversation with the manager at Sainsbury's, we've just been in there before and they, we were quite busy Saturday night. I know it's not on this report because I did this report prior to Saturday, yeah. but Saturday night was very busy to say the least for myself and, and colleagues. And um, they had some lads who'd stolen some cans of beer in Sainsbury's and they went to chase after them, but as, as fast as they could, they crossed the car park and then they were joined by about 15 other mates. Yeah. Well, <coughs> a few cans of beer. It's not worth it. So I've said to them, just leave. They've got good CCTV. If we can get an identification of any of them, then we can we can take matters further. The important thing for any shopkeeper is to report it. 
Uh, what I don't want to see is things not reported in because we don't know. You know, we had a lot of trouble with Morrison's on Saturday night with the kids, and they they were telling me that some of it happens on a regular basis. And said, "Well, we never see that." And I've got a big area to cover now, so I go where the problem. I've always gone where the problems are. So actually, if we're not getting the reports, I won't necessarily. Now we know. That's fine. We can we can base ourselves in the correct areas. We want to be. We want to make best use of our time. And it also helps us with um, the likes of recruiting specials and things like that, mm -hmm. because if we're seeing a demand for a certain thing in a certain area, we can basically speak to supervision and go, look, we've got this particular problem. We need some additional resources. If you've got the evidence to say we have a problem, we're likely to get the, the extra resources. So the more it's reported, even if it's nicking of a chocolate bar, nicking of a can of beer, it sounds minor, but the more it's reported, the, the, the better it is for us because we've got more power to actually do stuff. Great. Our friends on the electric bikes with them faces covered. Right. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, little introduction for myself. Okay, so as I said before, PC Steve Harrison, formerly from um, Chester City Centre for the last three years. If any of you are familiar with Chester City Centre's, electric bikes are a big thing in the city, as they were in my former beat in Ellesmere Port. I hate them with a passion. They are illegal, they shouldn't be used on the road. Um, and majority of the riders know that. We have um, a couple of operations I've set up in Chester. One called Up Dangerously, which covers the Fatal Five, if you're familiar with those. So speeding, seatbelts, mobile phones, drug, uh, alcohol abuse, and careless driving, which that comes under, which we'll be doing more operations for in Frodham. Um So you'll see us in on mass, at least five or six of us with motorbikes and everything else as well, high vis. And also, op, um, oh gosh, what's it called? Op Provoked, which is um, specifically looking at electric bikes, e scooters, and their use on roads, off road, in areas where they are not allowed to be used. And in those circumstances, we have off road trained officers and specially trained officers who can not only um, deal with these bikes, but also seize them and destroy them and prosecute if or where necessary. So that's again one of my reasons for coming up here, because that is where one of my passions lies. So, <coughs> Have you got any intel on who they are? You must know. I'm building it up. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody knows anything or would like to like to divulge anything to me, either um no to me. To you, to you, to you, to you, and me, yeah. That's it. Um please let us know. Even just areas, times, even if you don't know names, faces, ages, anything we can get will build a picture of where they're coming from and going to. I was I only brought it up because I was in the village on Friday night and they were coming down Church Street and wheeling up the road. Yeah, they are an absolute pain. Yeah. So. They're usually I know that they'll be all in black with balaclavas. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But they'll, there is a link to drug dealing as yeah. well, so right. it's, we're killing two birds with one stone. Right. If we can tackle the, the electric bikes, we're, we're going to make some headway into I mean, the drug dealing. They're, as well. they're 14, 15 year old lads mm -hmm. with £3,000 worth of bike. Mm -hmm. There's only one way of getting it. So, yeah. Thank <laughs> you.
First of all is an EAPC, which is an electric, electrically propelled assisted cycle. That is a bicycle that was built as a bicycle oh. with a battery that has a motor of 250 watts with assistance up to 15 and a half miles per hour. It's your, it's your simple basic bicycle built, homologated, with a battery, all's good, we're happy. You can then buy kits off the internet with 1000 watt motors, which are capable of 40 miles an hour with a hand throttle. They are a moped, they're not a bicycle anymore. They need to be taxed, insured, MOT'd. They cannot be any of those things. They're illegal. Bish bash bosh, gone. Your next category is electric motorcycles, which are things called SURONs. Anyone familiar with that name? No. Nope. Imagine an old, the old crosses, the electric, you know, the, the two-stroke, lot of noise, rev rev. They're now electric. Same thing, you can have them road legal with indicators, get them taxed, number plates, the whole works. Majority, if not virtually all, are not. They are also modified illegally to do wheelies, burnouts, um, all the sort of things that you see regularly going on. I'm here to tackle the Surons and the electric bikes not the EAPCs. So can we refer to them as mopeds and electric bike motorcycles? Because that's what they are, they're not electric bikes. And, and Yes, the, the, the issue being that the, a general member of the public but wouldn't this, know. This is my problem, yeah. is that, is that this, and this confusion perpetuates and yeah. demonises normal electric bikes that are a fantastic yeah. act of travel aid. I think the, and we've really got to stop that. Yeah, I think the problem is not many people know what an EAPC is. But just if you refer to, but, but what we're referring to, the problem are electric motorbikes and electric mopeds. Yeah. So let's refer to them as electric motorbikes and electric that's mopeds. Fine. Yeah. And fine that, me. that is the terminology I would prefer because that is what they are. And mm -hmm. um, they're just much more accessible than a petrol motorbike because yeah. they're far cheaper and they require a lot less maintenance. Yeah. So that's why the kids get the hands a lot easier. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what they are. Yep, that's fine, Bobby. <laughs> no worries. Thank you very Good. much. Thank you very much. I've got stuff. Have I you? Say, I'm resigning. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just there's a couple of things that I've put on the news that I just wanted to highlight. Um, one is the reintroduction of our community speedwatch group, and I know some of you have expressed interest both in the past and more recently to um, possibly getting trained up on community speedwatch. I've got a couple of dates. We've, we've trained some up already. And we've got a couple of dates lined up in January. That's Saturday, the 6th of January. I think that, that's three till four. I've only just put these in today. And Thursday, the 18th of January, six till seven. Both of those will be at the fire station. Um, I've just got confirmation that we've got the use of the community room on those two dates. Um, so anyone, or if you know anyone who might be interested, again, pass on my details and we'll Book them in for one of one of those dates. Excuse, um, me, excuse me, can you just give me the time for the second day? Yeah, it's six till seven on the eighteenth. 
I'll put that on our social media as Bins. well. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, the the second thing was on here was the sad passing of uh, Wilf Berry, mm -hmm. the old Bobby on the beat. Everyone knows Wilf yeah. from from here. Um, I attended his funeral on Friday, and it was a quite. A, it was quite a, it was obviously sad, but there were lots of fond memories from people. Mm -hmm. It was a really. You know, a nice service. Apart from at the end when they played, never you'll never walk alone <laughs> five times because he was a big Liverpool fan. But I had the privilege of meeting Wilf on a number of occasions, and we got him to lay the wreath on behalf of Cheshire Police one year as well. And uh, it was just a privilege to know him, and it was just a really sad day when he when he finally passed. So I just wanted to sort of note it here that you know he, he will be missed by a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, and last of all, just to say this time of year just to wish you all a Merry Christmas if I don't see you before. Thank you for the support you give myself and colleagues throughout the year and hopefully we'll have a, a better new year in, in 2024. And that's, that's it. Great. All right. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for everything you do. No, no problem. No problem. And as you can tell, we've got Steve there, so we're in good hands. <laughs> yeah. so. Brilliant. All right. Lovely Thanks very much for your time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Right. I'll move it along then. Uh, our next agenda item uh, is agenda item number six, and this is Cheshire Fire and Rescue. I'd like to welcome Graham. Alex. Alex. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. <laughs> We've been communicating with the Graham, so welcome, Alex. Um, if you could introduce yourself so we know who, who we're speaking with, and then um, obviously the current consultation um, that's currently going on around Cheshire Fire and Rescue, isn't there? Thank you very much, Joe. So I'm Alex Waller, um, Chief Fire Officer for Cheshire. Um, been in Cheshire for 30 years, spent my whole career here. I became the Chief um, just over a year ago. And tonight I'm here to talk about our four-year plan, which is the uh, Community Risk Management Plan, as it's known now. I know we've not got lots of time, so I won't bore you with lots of details. I just want to pick up some bits. You can, can access the plan online, uh, you should have already had a link. There's also some links to some um, little clips that explain some of the proposals in detail. So I'll just cover tonight, just some of the, a flavour really of some of the things in the plan, that's all right, Chair, I'm just conscious of time. So I'll start really with a question for you. So we, Cheshire Fire, serve the whole of Cheshire, 1.1 million people. 905 square miles. Oh. How many fire engines do you think we've got? Oh, I went to a presentation so. on this. Oh. Well, you should, you, you must should, know that. I reckon it's 10. 12? 15. 15. All the Cheshire. Is that as far down as crew and all around there? Crew. Yeah. Oh, so you've got crew, Warrington, Chester, on the other side. 50. Yes. 50. 50. 50. 50. Getting close. It's going to be a long now. No, no. 30, <laughs> 35. 35. Okay. So we have 35 and we spread these about all over Cheshire. So if you get a car crash, you send two of them. Sometimes three, it's on the motorway. If you get a house fire, you send two. If someone in the house needs rescue, you send three. So very quickly we send a few and then what we do is we move all the rest around. And at any moment in time, then we've got the best coverage. <coughs> now, 
35,500 is the theoretical number, because in reality, only 17 of those fire engines are guaranteed to be available. Only 17. And they're the fire engines that are crewed on a full-time basis by full-time firefighters. The other 18 fire engines are crewed on an on-call or part-time basis. So these are firefighters who live or work within five minutes of the station late project. And they respond on a pager if there's a fire call. And they respond to the station within five minutes and then they go to the incident. That's happening right across Cheshire. And we tend to use those fire engines, those on-call fire engines in areas where it's quieter. So we get less calls. So in Frodsham you're probably talking two calls a week. And of those, half of them will be false alarms. So it's a low number of calls, but when you need it, you need it. So you tend to have that spread. Now what, what we've got is 35, really 17. We've invested massively in the on-call fire engines to try and make the system work, to get them available. Because they're part-time, if they're not available because of the work commitments, family commitments, it's not like it's a contractual arrangement where you're full-time, you go to your work today. It's kind of voluntary. Well, you get paid for doing it, but it's still, you have to volunteer your availability. So we've invested significantly more money in the last four or five years, and unfortunately, the availability's gone down. It's getting worse, and it's got worse after COVID as well. During COVID, it went up, people working from home, putting their availability up, and we thought, hmm, this home working thing might be better for us. It's not been the case. What people are actually doing more likely, and this is not just Roger, is people are a lot more thoughtful about the time. What do we do with my time? Volunteering. You know, this what what I've got all the I work all week, I want to spend time with family. So we've we've seen this change and there's a load of other reasons, but the bottom line is it's come down. So what this plan is trying to do is change that 17 fire engines guaranteed and increase it to 22. That's the first point of the plan. And then what it'll do is, because overall, and this is in separate sections, we talk about more prevention. So that's going into homes, fitting thousands of smoke alarms every year, going into schools, road safety, all the education programmes, youth programmes, cadet schemes, Prince's Trust, more of that and more protection. And protection is where we're going to buildings, public buildings, businesses. Have you got a fire alarm? Have you got a means of escape? So the regulatory side. So the plan's going to give more prevention, more protection and better response because we've got more fire engines. And it's going to do that for around the same money. So in other words, it's not going to cost more because we're very mindful of costs on people at the minute. So, so that's, that's kind of the plan in, in a nutshell. In terms of what it means for you locally, so your fire engine at Frodium isn't changing. When it's available, it'll still be available as now. What's going to happen is there'll be um, four fire engines that are going to be full-time, Monday to Friday, office hours, and they're going to roam around. So when that fire engine at Frodsham is not available, it's mostly in the daytime, because people are at work. Yeah. They, when they come home, they put the availability in. 
So we're going to have fire engines. So the fire engine, there's a fire engine at run call. That's an on-call fire engine currently. We've got a full-time fire engine and an on-call fire engine. The full-time one's not changing. The on-call fire engine is going to change from being on-call to being full-time, Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. And it's going to go, if there's no fire engine in Frontier, or say as far as Tarpley, all the way down that corridor, it's going to move around. And what that will do is then spread out the fire cover, what I said before, about will move all the pieces around. But what it will also do is, because it's full time, that has now capacity, because those are firefighters who will be in work. They will go to fit smoke alarms in properties in Frodsham, go to schools in Frodsham, so there'll be uh, more capacity to do stuff. Right. So there's definitely nothing um, <coughs> in the plan that I would describe as negative for Frodsham, on the contrary. Um, I'll leave it there, Chair. I'm just conscious of time. Yeah, so, no. so you can see the detail in the plan, but that's just some of the some of the highlights and the implications. That's fantastic and really good news for Frontium. So, so thank you very much for that. While we've got you, does anybody have any specific questions for Alex? I know we've all been yeah, on the briefing. Some, just a, a quick question on this website. Is there a, a question and answer side so of it? That's what what I'm going to finish with tonight is saying. Please fill in our consultation <laughs> survey. <laughs> you can do a response as a resident yourself, mm -hmm. click <coughs> or you can do a response on behalf of the, the council and submit okay. that, but we would really appreciate it. Okay. Um, so you say if you look at the plan and have a, a summary document, there's some video little clips about the proposals, and then if you can uh, and then a questionnaire. Questionnaire is the yeah. question about what to ask you a question. A question on you, we get response. You, you can respond to the questions in the consultation. Yeah. If you've got any specific questions yeah. for me, by the way. Okay. Well, what I'm saying is, is there's something in there, the specific questions somebody wants to ask. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, if it's a specific one about mm -hmm. that, you come back through Graham. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And ask. So, say you wanted some more details about practical thing, we can get somebody to to answer them. Locally for you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Richard, did you have something quick? Yeah, just really, it's, uh, it's uh, just an interest from my point of view. You sent, you've got 35 appliances, didn't you? Yeah. Does that, does that, is that fire engines? Yes. So, because you obviously have um, specials, you have work platforms, don't you? Yeah. How many of those have you got within? So, we've got, so, so, so the hydraulic platforms, you've yeah. got one at Chester, yeah. one at Lim, and we've got what's called. Um, it's like a mixture between the two at Macclesfield. So it's a fire engine, but it's got the capability to, you know, the turret on the top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So three aerials, as we call them. Yeah, yeah. So you're dead right. We've got 35 fire engines, mm. and we've got specialist vehicles, yeah. such as things that'll get us up high, the yeah. aerial appliances, yeah. um, water, uh, water carriers, mm. things yeah. like that, um, environmental protection units. We've also got specialist skills such as technical rescue, so we can rescue animals, but we can rescue people from up high, underground. Yeah. So, then, so you're dead right, I'm, I'm generalising there with the actual fire engines, is the, what you would see as the fire engine. The yeah, that's, that's what I thought it would be, and I yeah. thought you would have specialist equipment yeah. uh, over and above that. Yes, you're dead right. The only reason I ask is I used to be in that industry, you see, so there was... In the platforms, was it? Yeah, 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 I used to teach people to operate them, so... Yeah, all right, okay. Yeah, so, and I know that there are issues with certain um, industrial 
premises yeah. that some of the platforms that fire services have aren't big enough to combat with some of the things. Yeah. No, well, because they haven't got the height. Yeah, you're dead right. There's a limited uh, height capability. That's the same across the country. They only go so high. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to get watered above the fire. Well, the cost of it, you can't afford to have a 100 metre platform when it only yeah. goes out on sea. I'd like a 100 metre platform. You get one cheap. That's great. Can you tell us about the Fire Setters Initiative? Fire Setters? Yeah. So it depends which the specific scheme for Fire Setters. Right. So, so there's, the first bit is we work with the police in terms of identifying arson. Yeah. You don't really get much. Yeah, a little bit, but not really much around here. And then, if the young people are, um, so you just talked about the people on the motorbikes, so, so we have outreach youth workers. So if there was a gathering of young people who got up to no good and started setting fires to stuff, we could mobilise that team to go and engage with them and then see what they want to do and try and do it that way, the nice softly, softly approach. They try and get, you know, get connection. So that's, if we have people who are individuals where somebody says little Johnny likes to set fire to things, we have schemes where we can educate and get like a one-to-one, -one. we send someone out to speak to them. And in addition to that, we have cadet programs on the fire stations where we're trying to get young people um, educated on fire setting. If you go beyond that, we have respect programs in primary schools where we go into schools with people who may be ex expelled or from school and we do that program and then we go right up to the Prince's Trust which is the older young people if you like um, getting onto young adults from uh, late teens who we do a program for them on behalf of the Prince's Trust but run by the fire service so there's a range of things that would help support people yeah. with fire setting is, the, is that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was just a couple of things in the police report about like attempted fire starting in Frogshire and anything been done with that? Oh, right. Well, well I, I, think I, haven't seen, I, I haven't seen the wheelie bins. I think it's quite a few wheelie bins. There's a play area that was attacked as well with that kind of thing a while ago. The bike yeah. was found in fire. That, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You, you, you're right, so, so just to be give some reassurance, so anything like that where it's to do with fire, police and fire would share that okay. intelligence and see it. Now, we can only go as far as sometimes hand it over to the person. We've seen, so we can't go look. Mm. We try and go the other way of engaging with people and right. the leave it to the police to enforce stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that I mentioned the electric bikes. <gasps> yeah. So I'm going to give another <laughs> view on the electric bikes now. And it isn't about people going back to the batteries. Road. It's the batteries. Aye. But let me, let, cheap batteries. let me just, you're dead right. Let me just say, these lithium batteries are perfectly safe most of the time. But when people start buying um, unofficial versions or start tampering with them and making them do things they're not supposed to do, <coughs> then they're not, they're not good. Now, we've not got, at the minute, it's in the CX, the Community Risk Management Plan, about doing more to educate people and not to scare people and, you know, set hers running, but to say, hang on a minute, if you put that bike, especially if it isn't uh, an official on your escape route, in your flats, on the corridor or not. Mm. We've had countless incidents where they go on fire and then people can't get out. So there's another angle, but, but they're not the problem. The bigger problem with these lithium batteries is not them. It's the, it's the building-sized batteries. 
So we're all up for greener energy, but that greener energy has to be stored somewhere. And now they tend to these battery energy storage systems, best sites as we call them, where you will get literally battery sized buildings, massive, that can take in the energy, whether it be from your wind farm, mm. your solar panels, and store it so you can then use it. And now if they go on fire, those sites, usually the tactic we use is allowed to burn because we're not going to put it out. Which is absolutely fine if it's in the middle of nowhere. If it's plumped right next to a housing estate or a major um, road arterial route or a train line, it's going to cause problems. So what we are, uh, and it's again, this is all in the plan. What we're looking at now is identifying to make sure we know, because we, we think we know where the sites are, but at the minute it's not a statutory requirement for us to be involved in planning for these sites. So so we kind of find out second hand and we want to make sure we know where we are so we can plan operationally how to respond and also make sure that they're safe. So this was something I've been concerned about with the solar farm yeah. that they're building, planning on building on the farm marshes. Yeah. They're going to put in a battery, they haven't said what sort. Yeah. We know there was a lot of uproar down south on the yeah. Thames Estuary where they put one in and it was turned out to be a lithium battery. I suspect they're going to do the same tools. It's going to be a last minute, oh yeah, it just happens to be lithium, you know, throw that at us. What kind of danger or fraud do you want the motorway as well if, okay. if they park it down there somewhere? Well, let's put this in perspective. See, we've got <coughs> Cheshire has got the most, um, usually us in Cleveland go level peggy for the most significant significant industrial sites, so what we call coma sites, control of major accident hazards. So these are heavily regulated, when you go right down on the Ellesmere Port, I mentioned before, right along the estuary, you've got petrochemical, you know, all kinds of sites. ICI, over the ICI, Ineos, it's because I've been holding on me there. Um, you know, all across the, the estuary there. So those sites are heavily, if, if you put it in comparison, these are nothing. Mm. They're already uh, heavily regulated, heavily yeah. controlled. These sites are safe as long as they run properly, but we do have to be ready just in case. So I wouldn't be overly concerned okay. about them, but what I'm happy about is you just tip me off with another potential one <laughs> that we'll follow up on because yeah. we need to know where they are so we can just mm. check and do a, a check. Sorry, Chair. Yeah, so my, my question was also, um, well, two questions. So it's also around the, the, the solar farm. So for example, my house, it's only 300 meters away from the site of that and there's a lot of other residential houses quite close proximity. And people have also raised concerns that it's marshland, it's prone to flooding, we're going to get more of that in, in the foreseeable future. And also the close proximity to the chlorine tanks yeah. over with, with the industry. So what, what would your concern be with, with particular we, regards to flooding and the chlorine as well? So so you'd also so there's two separate so, so the chlorine bit, as I said, if that is on the coma on the coma site, which I'm assuming it is, if it's chlorine, because it's um, very, very serious stuff. And it's the other side of the river to where the so, so, so that is I am not concerned about those I, I'm concerned in the sense that we need to plan. 
but they are so heavily regulated and controlled. We exercise with those sites regularly. They have the duty to regulate, to do regular exercising. They have a duty to have an on-site plan and off-site plan. So that's fine with chlorine. In terms of the flood risk, the flood risk is assessed as a, for a local authority area, and then there's supposed to be measures put in place for some is prevention and mitigation, educating people what to do, some is response. Our job usually is response. It's not our statutory duty, by the way. People think it is. It's not. We do it because we can. So we respond and help people. And again, in our plan, you'll see there's a section on environmental change and, and uh, not only wildfires growing, but floods and us making sure we've got the right capability to respond to that. Which we have, we've got really good capability for flood response across Cheshire. So I'm not concerned about the response. In terms of the um, the stuff about where the site is, I, I can't really comment on that because I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't this really is know. on marshland that's prone to flooding, will yeah. be prone to more flooding. So yeah. if there's a lithium battery there, yeah. I'm just interested to hear what what, what your thoughts. Yeah, I, I wouldn't like to be mixing lithium batteries with water. That's my gut reaction. But. But I'm sure I would be really surprised if if they've been through planning to get that site established, and I don't know which one, so forgive me you're talking about, but if they've been through, they would have had to be sure that that risk is mitigated. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's my view. Uh, mm -hmm. I, say I'm not, yeah. I don't know exactly which one you mean, because you couldn't put something like that in an yeah. area that's going to be... Very early stages, it's still consultation so, so it's, phase. It's more like if something like that did catch fire, what would be the radius of, of what right. would be so, so in danger? And also, in comparison to, say, for example, at the same time where me and Jason are, they've got solar panels, and a big battery maybe on its side as tall as yeah. this table and that deep. So how, how if one well, of those went on fire, how, how far would it spread? And if, if one for a solar <laughs> farm went on fire, how far so would it spread? I'll give you an example for a car. So in electric cars, there's big batteries. There's a bank of batteries. And when you, if you see one of them go, it doesn't really look... Um, it is different than a normal car fire, but not significantly in terms of how far it goes. It kind of stays in the vicinity. It doesn't really go anywhere. The problem is, they're really hard to put out. It's a normal car. We can put it out pretty quick with a hose reel, water. When you've got a lithium battery, it's really difficult to put out. It takes a long time and lots of water. There's a couple of issues with that. One is the runoff, environmental impact. And two is the, you're there for a long time, putting the vehicle out. So if you then bring that up to a bigger building, it depends on the size of the building. It's not like the fire will be shooting miles beyond or really far. Like if your chlorine glass starts leaking over any us. You know, big problems, cloudburst incident. This is not like that. It will be localised, but you would get a serious fire that's high intensity and be really difficult to put out. And that's why the tactic is usually allowed to burn. So in other words, we would surround the fire. So if there's any property nearby, we'd protect the property and we'd just let it burn itself out. Okay. And we do that a lot, barn fires, we do exactly the so, same so thing. So when we're scrutinising that, you'd want to make sure that the battery site was as far away, well, the, the opposite side to where yeah. any housing would be. And, and that's why, sorry Chair, we get notified now about the locations, and we'll go and have a look, and we'll give a view on what we think, and that's what I'm saying about, at the minute, that's done on kind of a, a voluntary basis with the local authority. We would like that to be a statutory requirement, that they have to come through us as a statutory consultee 
at the minute we kind of do it through planning and like a voluntary arrangement. Okay. Great. Alex, Thanks, thank you so much for your time. If anyone else has got specific questions they might want to raise about Froggy, we come through Joe and Joe will get in, in touch. Yeah, any more specific, but thank you so much for your time. So really helpful, really useful. Good to see you all, and, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and to you. And to you. Thank you. Okay, see you later. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, agenda item number seven then is request from members of the public to speak. Um, do we have any members yes. of the public? Yes. Yes, I'll just do this quick. I don't know why you're mega busy. Um, thank you so much for all your support on Christmas Festival. Um, we're the second biggest one to Chester, uh, right? And we are all volunteers. There's only eight of us that's done it. You know what I mean? I'd like to thank Richard as well for supporting us all the way through it. Um, chasing up risk assessments and shouting at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but, to get it to, but for us to get this going takes us a year for one day to get this through, right? And uh, it would touch and go whether we're going to do it again this year because um, we've gone through some highs and lows through this while we're trying to chase, chase things up and getting abuse of people and things like that. Not the keyboard warriors, face to face ones, <laughs> which was even better, you know. Uh, it's a good job I'm ex-army, isn't it? You know? <laughs> um, so, um, the, that side of it, I just want to thank you for, for supporting us with the finances uh, for us to do this. Uh, I think we had about 8,000 people, wow. rough estimate, um, that have been there at, at the night. TSB Old Bank was the best grotto, so he, he can't use that for anything else now apart from a grotto. Um, um, we had the um, snowball that was up at the top in the in the library, uh, which worked really well as well on that one. Um, and then obviously the rides and, and the um, markets as well uh, that was going on. Um, so we'll be planning it again, starting in February. Right. Even though I swore I'm never going to do it again, <laughs> you know, I couldn't walk yesterday. If you saw me yesterday, it was hilarious. But, um, it is an amazing achievement mm. that we do. That eight, that eight people. It's not just me. This I'm just the gobby one. Um, it's it's the fact that we've got a lot of volunteers that come through. The hardest part for us normally is trying to get 34 people to stop the roads. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest part, you know. Mm -hmm. More than anything else, the remainder of it just flows really nicely. So, for next year, if we can get more support, because we've got a few people that are, that are dropping out, and Naomi Anstis, for those of you who know her, um, at the Manor School, has, yeah. is a massive, massive part of that. She does about 15 different jobs while we're doing that, and she's stepping down this year. Really? Yeah. She's, <laughs> and, well, she says it, she's already messaged yeah. me once already saying that, that she'll do the grotto and then the next thing was like, you know, I thought I was a control freak, not even close. Um, so, so we're working on that at the moment as well um, for next year. Uh, so it's going to be roughly the same thing, but with the markets and everything like that. But I just want to thank Frodsham. Uh, considering that none of us are actually from Frodsham, we do it. That's even weirder. You know, like, um, you know, but a lot of people put a lot of time in and effort for this. So if you can put it onto your onto your next uh, agenda uh, for getting volunteers to come and support us, um, to come and we meet up in the um, Queen's Head every Wednesday, seven o'clock. 
they're making a fortune out of us, you know, um, and, and, and doing that, um, that would be just amazing. But thank you so much for all your, all your help and thank you for financing it, um, as well as paying for the uh, traffic management uh, group as well. Uh, it makes our life a whole lot easier, you know what I mean? But it's bringing something good into Frodsham mm. as yeah. well, you know what I mean? So it's opening it up. There's, I've had people from London come up here. For it. All right, it's my best mate. It was here, you know. When he came from London, but you know, they've come to support it, you know, and things like that. So, thank you very much, and I'll leave you to it because I know you're really busy and you've had the the police and the fire brigade. You know what I mean? I didn't want to tell him that I used to drive a green goddess when they went on strike in London, Derry. Well, that, that's a different story altogether. This is Rick, and just like you say, please, we mentioned it at the start of the meeting, yes. but yeah. Really, thank you to the festival. Um, no, um, you do an amazing job, and it was just I, I heard some great comments about community really? and how it felt like about. the community, which is what it's all about. Uh -huh. So, I um, really do thank you, and we'll get something through officially. Thank you so um, much. So thank you. Okay, can I just ask one question? Rick? Yes, me and me. Your friend that came up from London, what was his uh, view of it all? Oh, this was last year Jim, Jim came up, but, oh, right, yeah. but, uh, but, he, but he thought it was Yeah, he thought it was cracking because he's from Staines yeah. um, and they don't have anything like that. He's literally just like that, flick a switch and the lights go on. Uh, that's it, you know. I mean, my hometown, we had entrance, for those of you who know what we're talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? The year before we had D-Reap, hey, we went backwards. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just waiting for Gary to give me a call and I'll see what I can do. You know, like, uh, but thank you so much again for all your support and uh, hopefully see you later and I'll see you on the 8th. Bigger, bigger and better next year. Oh, right, no pressure. Let me take a day off. I was supposed to work today. I was like, I'm just going like, calls, move calls, do this. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, and I'll see you at the next meeting. Thank Thanks. you. Take care. Cheers. Right, uh, our next uh, agenda item is agenda item number eight, uh, which is uh, our Cheshire West and Chester councillors. Um, so we have had a report um, submitted from both Lucy and Mike. Um, are there any specific questions we have? I'm just conscious of time as well. Any questions for Lucy and or Mike this evening on the report? Yes, Judith. Um, it's just about the increase in parking charges. I've yes. seen your explanation of why it's being done. Yes. What bothered me is that this has gone through under the radar. Yes. There's been no publicity about it. And I've yeah. noticed the Frodman Hellsby increases. I've just been sneaked in on the notice for Northwich. Yeah, I think under the radar and sneaked in, I think that's a little bit unfair. Um, they no were, publicity about it anyway. Well, I think that's the process that's going on now. I think it's been recognised though because of, of the kind of feedback that we as councillors have given that they're not going to increase the night before Christmas, they'll come in a bit later on so there can be better communication. The actual increases were part of the parking strategy. Yeah. Not, not bothered about the increase of controls, yeah. it's a lack of And, and what I'm going to do is, I, I appreciate that you've said that because I think it's important that that has to be done because it needs to be publicised well in advance. So they've mm -hmm. now delayed those charges being right. increased so that we can get the message out there. Because it's quite right and proper um, that, that people are well informed and, and well advised. And then to have put them out just before Christmas was perhaps a little bit, could have been thought through a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So it's been, been deferred now for a little while. And that announcement is going to come out you know, more right. publicly in the next few days. 
But I do take on board, and Lucy and I will recognise that, and we'll feed that back through to the comms team, because it's about all things, and if you say it, it's not just the parking charges, it's all things need to have proper and effective communication, because it shouldn't be something that should be seen as being imposed, but something that is perhaps necessary, perhaps needed, but people need to be aware of the reasons for it and why it's happening. So yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just on the, the public notices on the Cheshire West website, mm. they specifically have <coughs> a rural communities section for public notices. But Frogger and Halsby were just sneaked in at the end of the North Witch yeah. one. Yeah, right. I know. They I, did I, a separate I, one for Chester and a separate one for Ellesmere Port. It, it's upsetting for me that because mm. I think that we need to be recognised a little bit more. And even, you know, we shouldn't be grouped together like that. So again, I yeah. appreciate that okay. and we can feed that back in because it's. We are, we are a town, yeah. we are important, and it's the town and our neighbouring villages. We should all be yeah. treated in that, in that way with a little bit okay. more Thanks respect on the comms. Yeah. Any other questions for Jason? Yeah, no, it's, it's to try and look cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a new tactic. Divide and conquer. It's nothing in particular, it's perhaps something I've just been thinking about recently, but it's, it's on the climate and the mm. climate, uh, what was it, Action Fortune, thank yeah. you, the other day. Great doing the, the home insulation and all that. But I was, I was picking up on a point you made earlier, you see that. But on the weaver, it didn't take a lot of rain to come down and that weaver was full. And one of my concerns is being, if climate effects continue, which they are, which we all know is going to happen, yeah. is there anything that we can do as with the council to, Dredging the weaver or something, because there's a lot. Because all Northwich water comes to Fodgham, mm -hmm. so there's a big area. I was, I was just concerning you, know, especially where you guys are. Yeah, they're, I think they're that's, not very that, high. That's a, a very, very good point. And what happens is, is following any incident and, and like Storm Babette, and there was the other storm which followed on from it, but it was particularly Storm Babette which affected us. There will be a, a debrief. There will be what the response from Cheshire West was. Now, what concerned me at the time was that we, as councillors, would get alerts and warnings and so on. And for the first time ever, I saw something where it said potential for flooding in Frodsham. Um, and I think what we need to do is we need to be alive to that. So as part of the debrief, which I, I can't remember the date off the top of my head, but I'm going to make the, the, raise the concerns and issues we have about Frodsham and it's really interesting and it's very beneficial that you raise that because I can say it was discussed at Frodsham Town Council as well about our concerns because it goes beyond our response to the flooding itself in terms of what we do when it happens and what we can do to make it better as a response as the rain is falling as it were but it's also the response as a community because for example and this is what happens if an area of Frodsham is going to be prone to flooding and we had to evacuate the residents what would we do as the elected representatives of the community have in place to respond to those issues? And that's what's important. And I think that's what we need to do as, as the Cheshire West Councillors working with Fortune Town Council is to think about and make sure we're future-proof. So I'll be feeding back this kind of concern about what we can do to the uh, strategic response to the flooding and to Storm Babette. And I think that's what we need to do because it is all about 
raising those concerns. And I think it follows on even from what uh, the PCO, PCSO said about report these things. Mm. Because without raising it, people tend to think, oh, that's not a concern or a worry. And there is a concern and a worry around Frodsham about the flooding. The drains, for example, we've all seen the impact that the drains have had because of this heavy rain and flooding. Because the drainage system in Frodsham is Victorian and it wasn't designed to cope with all of this. So it's what we need to do to help mitigate the concerns that residents have. Can you go to um, Jason's point as well? There is there is a flood risk management working group that's been set up that will be looking at all of these things in more detail. But we, we, we are at risk in Frodsham maybe about three years ago when there was quite a lot of flooding in Northwich. If those areas of Northwich hadn't taken that water, it would have continued down where we were in Frodsham would have taken yeah. that water. So um, but we're not we're not completely risk free and we, we do need to be looking at mitigating strategies that, that can help us moving forward. Can I just ask that you also talk to Weaver Vale Housing Trust because they own a lot of properties on the recovered marshland off Ship Street and where I mean that was all marshland at one time. If you look at the flood risk maps for where, where the water is supposed to come in a hundred years a lot of the stuff on Waterside is better than some of the properties on Main Street. My house would be a seaside property in 100 years. <laughs> but some of Main Street would be gone if we continue in the line of travel that we are. So it's not necessarily the ones that you might think it might be, because some of that land's been drained and it can work slightly differently. But yeah, is this is still important? It's like when they were building the motorway back in the early 70s, they did an awful lot. <coughs> I think it's important. This is an area I think that we can all work together. But the yeah. town council, Lucy and I, the borough councillors, this is an area that we can work together about some things. Okay, smashing. Mike, is there anything you want to say? Very briefly, <laughs> very briefly, I'm really pleased, Aidan, you asked about fire setters. I went to a meeting with the station manager at Frodsham uh, a week or so ago. And fire setters is a great initiative because what they do is they will work with the police, but they publicise. And they did what they showed to me was a map of where the fires were being set. So although they're quite minor at the moment, and it's raised their alarm bells because they have a, a target number of fires, and Frodsham is nowhere near anywhere else, but there is an increase which has alerted them to it. And we will get to know because we will see on the fire setters map where these are happening, and they can be directed intelligence-led police response to these uh, you know these incidents of, of fires being set in these incidents okay. great thank you thank you very thank much you. Thank you. so uh, agenda item nine uh, standing orders um, basically we're going to reinstate standing orders now for, for the remainder of the items on the agenda so agenda item number 10 is accounts um, so just to note expenditure in month seven was twenty five thousand. £570.62. To note, the income was £54,473.75, which included a transfer of £50,000 £50, from the CCLA account. To note that the balance on the Co-op Instant Access account, as at the 31st of October, was £25,442.63. The balance on the Co-op Community account for the same date is £65,475.37 and the balance on the CCLA account for the same date was £187,113.97. 
uh, which included transfer to the co-op community account. So Joe has uh, circulated um, with seven report packs, which includes all income and expenditure. Um, so are we happy to approve that pack? Yeah. 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 Okay, check. That's approved. Um, <coughs> we need a um, councillor to check the November 2023 bank statements against the September bank reconciliation reports uh, on a date to be agreed in December. Do we have a volunteer? Bernie? I'll do. Bernie will do that. That's great. Thank you very much, Bernie. And thank you for the um, comprehensive pack, Joe. Agenda item number 11, this is viaments. Um, so this is to approve a viament of £200 from budget code 4700, which is town meetings, to budget code 4731, which is care in the community, and this is to enable the provision of Christmas cakes um, to all lodging care homes. Can we approve that viament? <coughs> yeah. 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 And the Opal Club as well. Yes, the Opal Club team. Mm. Thank you. And secondly, to improve to approve a viament of four thousand pounds from budget code four seven five nine, which is royal events, which is underspent uh, by four thousand pounds, and three hundred and twenty pounds from code four seven two zero, which is Remembrance Day, which is also underspent by four hundred pounds, and this is to cover the cost of the road closure and additional cleanup costs following this year's Christmas festival. I think Richard is able to explain why we have those clean-up costs which we haven't had before. Yeah, um, for those people that were on the council in 2019, you'll be aware that Quack would do a clean-up uh, in the centre of Frodsham for the festival at no cost. Now they won't do that because they have to get their costs back. So their costs, when I spoke to uh, the guy from uh, Cheshire West, who was in charge of environmental, said that those costs would be um, £1,659.53. Now, that's an exact figure, but that includes looking at the worst case scenario of how much tonnage of rubbish was taken away from uh, the site at the end of the festival. Uh, now, obviously, you can appreciate they want to get the cost back because they're in a difficult situation with regarding funding. So, if you look at what they actually did on the day, they had sweepers in Frodsham which swept the cut of the, um, the roads, they swept the pavements, they had a guy with a leaf blower, and to be perfectly honest, it looked pretty good at the start of the day. They then had a team on site which were going around and cleaning, uh, emptying the bins, the dustbins, so from 2 till 10 o'clock, they were emptying the rubbish, and then on Sunday morning, they were taking the rubbish bins away after emptying yet again, and then brought sweepers in. And again, it looked pretty good to me on um, um, Sunday morning. Now, I know that uh, Councillor Neil has said in the past that when he's walked past on a Sunday, the place has been a complete tip. Um, and that's been because of the amount of rubbish. The big issue from uh, a lot of the businesses, some of them that sell pizzas, is people put pizza boxes mm. into the conventional bins and it won't compress. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of them in there and then you're overfilling it. Now that's a separate issue to what, what I'm suggesting here. But this is something that, from a Christmas festival point of view, 
Protestant will be expected to pay every year. The only way that that price will reduce, as I said before, is if the tonnage of rubbish is below three tonnes. Mm -hmm. okay. Thank you very much for that explanation, Richard. Are we happy to approve that environment? Oh, sorry, Jason. Sorry. Sorry, it's just a point on it. Shouldn't the festival people who are putting the stalls up pay for that? Could can't go and they pay for it. What do you mean, the storeholders? Yeah. Well, it's not really the storeholders that's also contributing. There are a lot of businesses that are also people are going into the pizza place, fish and chips, etc. Yeah, but it's so, not 15 grand now, whatever it was with the grand, it's 17, but that, isn't it? Yeah. It's just my point is that uh, these guys are profiteering off their stadium from, from the 8,000 people coming in and going to stores. Yeah, yeah. But aren't yeah. the businesses already paying? So much to Cheshire for for clear up their business rates. The the, mm. the stall holders must have been paying a fee into yeah, the, the festival. Yeah. So what basically what you're saying is that the festival organisers need to raise more money to cover that. Cost. I would say so. Or, or quite it's also uh, some of the the, the food stalls mm. were there. They were they were selling pizzas in boxes. So there's probably double the amount of boxes that come from the other pizza places yeah. in Frodsham. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not I'm yeah, not just no, 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 yeah, no, 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 Prior to this, they've done it as a free service. Now they can't afford to do it as a free service. And considering what they what they provided, mm. it wasn't just a case of somebody coming round with a brush no. and doing a little bit of cleaning yeah. up. It, it uh, was a concerted effort, yeah. and and it, it caught. To be fair, it caught me out, representing the council, and it caught the uh, festival committee out yeah. because we didn't find out about this basically till two weeks before that, right. because so there'd been no communication. But we now we now know. Yeah. So next year we need to make sure we put yeah. it for yeah. that cleanup. Yeah. yeah. And can I just say, speaking for people in the Frombles, last year the mess was absolutely horrendous. Afterwards, I don't know how many people saw it, but the town was a terrible disgrace. And the Frombles cleared it up. And there were 10, 12 people working yeah. flat out for about four mm -hmm. hours clear it and I think it's very unfair to mm -hmm. expect volunteers to give their time yeah. to do that. They did this year they did go around and do a tidy up down, you know, places mm -hmm. where Cheshire West maybe didn't go and they made sure it was pristine. And I think that's fair enough to ask them to do. Yeah. But um, if anybody had seen what happened last year, you know, it was horrible and and I think they did the right thing yeah. to pay for Cheshire West to clear up. Oh, yeah. So, are we happy to approve that violent? Yeah. 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 Okay, that's approved, Jen. Uh, agenda item number 12, I believe it was, is no longer required on the agenda. So, we're going to go straight to agenda item number 13, which is grant scheme. And we have had a report um, from the grants working group, which has been circulated to all councillors. So can I ask um, whether we are happy to approve the recommendation of that grants working group? Everybody happy? Yeah. 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 Okay, that's approved, Jo. So okay. we can contact um, those applicants now. I'll do that know. tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, agenda item number 14, this is plastic-free frogging. 
So we had a, a briefing report at the uh, last amenities committee um, and the amenities committee would like to uh, sign up to the scheme. Uh, it's a plastic free fudge scheme and it will be run by a community interest organisation. Um, so are we happy to accept the recommendation from the amenities committee? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much for that. Agenda item number 15 is the Climate and Ecology Bill um, 2023. Uh, again, uh, this came to the Amenities Committee and uh, there was an agreement to support from the Amenities Committee the Climate and Ecology Bill 2023. Um, so this is to ratify that decision that was made at the Amenities Committee. Is everybody happy with that decision? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Thank you very much. Uh, agenda item number 16 is the neighbourhood plan designations. So this is to allow the neighbourhood plan to, um, sorry, this is to approve basically for the following green spaces to be included in the fraudulent neighbourhood plan for designation. So this will mean they have um, a, a green belt status. Um, so the areas <coughs> are uh, what? Ashton Drive allotments, Kingsway allotments, London Road allotments, Crumbier Lake, Marshlands Tree Garden, the Red Line Bowling Green, Tarvin Road Cemetery, the Community Orchards at, at Ship Street, Churchfields and Hawthorne Road, at Manley Road Cops, Marlpit Wildlife Area, Park Lane Play Area, Top Road Play Area, London Road Playing Area, the Community Centre Field, Greengate Community Park and the Root of the Pond Trail. Can, can I just ask or confirm the status of the Ashton Drive allotments because last time I was on the council we don't actually own them we just lease them from Cheshire West and Chester so can we? we I I've think got a good point, I'll uh, check yeah, it's just that we might need Cheshire West permission for that as landowners okay thank you very much thanks for bringing that up yeah. Do you approve the rest and then just yeah. confirm just that on different yeah. times? I don't have an issue with no, no, that. It's yeah. not yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not yeah. 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 Yeah.
by law, we must respond to this by the 21st of the 12th. Um, Joe has received support from the Information Commissioner's Office in relation to the request in terms of our response to that. And uh, Joe has requested support from PRISM uh, to comply with the request, which requires access to ex-councillor, current councillor and all employee email accounts from that period. Um, I have asked Joe uh, to log any time spent on this request um, and provide us with an update at the next full council meeting to be held on the 22nd of January. This is over and above um, Joe's day job, so it will be treated as um, yeah, additional work. So I'd, I'd like to know how long this this takes at Joe's time. Lucy. Oh, is, is there any information available as to the nature of it, or is it confidential at this point? It's confidential. Can I just check, is it just council, our official council email accounts? Yes. Not our personal ones? No, not personal ones. Accounts. No, and just anything in relation to, to FTC, and that's, yeah, councillors, ex-councillors and staff. So it is, uh, yeah, a, a quite a significant piece of work that Joe's got to do in, in quite a busy period mm -hmm. up to the end of Is, is um, this December. something that we can refuse to do if it's going to be too time-consuming? No, we, you can do that for either of information requests, but the subject access requests right, have no limit, um, there's no limit put on how much time it takes either. Okay. Thank you, Joe. Hopefully, it won't take a significant amount of time. But I we'll, did, I did we'll speak say. to Prism today, and they are still retrieving information, which has been five days. Okay. So there's, uh, and, and it, it could end up that everything needs to be retracted from everything. Yeah. And the only information that I will be able to say is uh, we we have your email address. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, also, when, when redacting those, I don't give out the information of the councillor whose email it's from because that will identify the councillor. Right. That's the time consuming part. Yeah. 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 It, it, is. it very much is. Okay. Thank you, Joe. Okay. Um, agenda item number 19. Uh, this is a pay agreement. So, this is just a note that the National Joint Council for Local Government Services has reached an agreement on rates of pay that are applicable from the 1st of April 2023 uh, to the 31st of March 2024. Uh, so this is for all spinal points to 43, and the agreed award was a flat rate payment of 1,925 um, for scale points above that. The award is 3.88%, and we have um, enacted that for our FTC staff. And the general item number 20 is close of the meeting. So thank you all very much for that. Well, extraordinary um, lengthy meeting because of our colleagues joining us. But, um, but it was really useful. So thank you.